0: And the Oscar goes to Tom Hanks in Philadelphia. And the Oscar goes to Lupita Nyong'o. And the Oscar goes to Halle Berry in Monsters d'Or. And the Oscar goes to Hilary Swank in Boys Don't Cry. And the winner is Marvellous Meryl Streep. And the Oscar goes to Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight. And the Oscar goes to Olivia Colman.
1: And welcome back to this week's episode of Academy of Queens. I am Margaret Avery's sister, Joey Gentilly. And I'm the baby in Meg Tilly's trash can, Brandon Stanwick. This is episode 1985. You know, one of these days, I, I know I've said it before, I will get this. Fuck it. I mean, this intro, this outro, I mess it up every time. Maybe mm-hmm. you should take over. Oh, maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe. How you doing? Pretty good. God, good, good. Um, well, I just saw you two days in a row. Yeah. Which was fun. You and Seth came to my uh, job last night and got pretty choice depends. Yeah, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's the first time I've actually been to uh, Distill, the little
2: mm-hmm. bar you work at. Yeah, and all this time we've known each other. It's my first time finally going. Because yeah, Seth and I were out, we're going to get dinner somewhere, and he mentioned he wanted to go somewhere where he could get a drink. And I was like, oh, we still have not been to Joey's bar. So I texted you to see if you were working, and you said yeah. So we swung by, had a few cocktails and a, a pizza and some wings. It was pretty good.
1: Yeah. It was, uh, like I, uh, I think I mentioned it last night, you like you caught me at a really good moment. Mm-hmm. Because I was on my phone using the calculator for something, and I was busy as Fuck last night. It was really busy for a Wednesday. Like when yeah. Seth and
2: I drove by, and we were trying to find parking. I was surprised by how many people were on your patio and inside mm-hmm. the bar. And yeah. I wasn't sure if that was common for a Wednesday.
1: It's common in general for the place. But now that the patio is open, cause it's like right. getting really nice here finally. That's finally in the eighties. Like 80s. today is beautiful. Yep. Um, it, it, it was just insane. But yeah, we do have parking in the back.
2: Yeah, we didn't know that at the time. That's so we bad. found a,
1: a street parking spot about two blocks away. So it wasn't too bad. Lakewood's really weird with that. Like, you never really know if there's parking anywhere. Yeah, It uh, actually reminds me a lot of New York City, which where I was at last week. Right. You uh, you performed at a pretty big deal venue. Yeah, I don't mean to plug my own shit right now. But no. Um, yeah, uh, so I do stand-up comedy here in Cleveland. Um, that uh, scene magazine thing that had voted us best of Cleveland um, gave me third funniest male comedian, um, in the city. Mm -hmm. And it was really cool because from that I I booked Gotham Comedy Club in New York City, in Chelsea. And it was my first time in New York. It was so much fun. Um, it was such an experience. And because of that booking, I now have a booking, I can't really share it yet, like publicly, but by the time this will come out, I'll, I'll already have done it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, so it was just, it was a blast. I had a lot of fun. It's really cool, um, when people start to realize, like, hey, you're actually really funny, mm-hmm. and let me book you for a show, and then, like, you get you get paid to do shit, and it's it's, it's a
2: lot of fun. Yeah, it seems like one, one really great gig leads to another. Like, it seems like the best way to get a
1: gig is to do one. Yeah. Like,
2: it sounds dumb, but, like, it... It's yeah. the
1: way it is. I mean, I mean, you can definitely always create your own content no matter what shows sure. and have people look at you. Which, I, and I, I guess in a way, I did, because of stand up comedy. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like you know anyone was just like, hey, you want to get on stage? Like, I had to get on stage when I started to do it. Um, but yeah, it is true. It's like people people notice you, and it's a, it feels really good actually. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, can't complain. Right. Um, but this is kind of an exciting year for us. Nineteen eighty five is what brought us together. Yeah. And. Um, it it'll be it'll be fun because you know at least we're supporting. We already know where we're going, but it'll yes. be like it will it'll be cool to hear what we think about everybody else. Right?
2: Because I'm not gonna say the name for people who don't know the our backstory. Yes. But there we bonded on how we first bonded on Twitter
1: was over who we think should win the supporting actress actress this year. Yeah. Which I mean I guess we'll talk about here very shortly because this person is number two on my list to go over. Okay. Um, because. I mean, we're in an odd year, so I'm a supporting guy. Oh, right, yeah. So, uh, anyway, yeah, you want to dive in? Sure. This is an exciting one. Okay, so your nominees for Best Supporting Actress of 1985
2: were. Margaret Avery in the color purple,
0: <clears throat> Angelica Houston in Pritzi's honor.
2: Amy Madigan in Twice in a Lifetime.
0: Meg Tilly in Agnes
2: of God. (laughs) Oprah Winfrey in The Color Purple.
1: Okay, starting off, Miss Oprah Winfrey, or as Diane Carroll called her at the Golden Globes, Oprah Winfrey, Oprah, poor Oprah. Well, Di- um, Diane is a goddess, so right. there's, we there's forgive no. her. Yeah, she was. Diane was in her dynasty days at this point, right. so go girl. I'm surprised Oprah didn't just change her name to that after Oprah. that's what yeah. Diane Carroll called her.
2: Oh, Oprah,
1: I just love it. Um, in the color purple, uh, Oprah plays Sophia. Um, this is her first of actually two nominations, but her second nomination came in the form of producer for the movie Selma, so she was nominated for Best Picture a couple of years ago. Um, Acting-wise, though, this is her only acting nomination, even though she, probably, she really should have two, this one for The Butler. Yeah, um, I agree there. Yes. In the lead, though, side note, she's mm. a fucking lead in that movie. That supporting bullshit was bullshit. But anyway... Woo, already off off to a a feisty start. Um, Going into Oscar night, Oprah was nominated nominated in two precursors, the Golden Globe and the Los Angeles Film Critics Association. In The Color Purple, Oprah plays the feisty, the fiery, the ready-to-rumble Sophia, who doesn't take any shit from no man. Um, No women either, because she gets in a little bit of a trouble, or she gets a little bit into trouble at one point where, when um, the mayor's wife asks her to clean her house. Mm-hmm. And her response, hell no. And then, poor Sophia. Mm-hmm. So Brandon, what do you think about Oprah Winfrey as Sophia? I love
2: Oprah as Miss Sophia. She is like a thunderstorm in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the way she carries herself. She has such a presence in this movie. She is just a force to be reckoned with. And you see so many different sides of her, because she is this hard-ass woman mm-hmm. who doesn't take anyone's shit. But I love, it's toward the end, you really get to see a lighter side of her
1: mm-hmm.
2: after, she's at like a family dinner, it's like a family dinner scene, it's right before Seeley leaves. Yeah. And
1: Which she, was improbbed, from what I understand.
2: Yeah, I think there's a lot of ad-libbing going,
1: ad-libbing going on. Yeah.
2: And we get to see Miss Sophia smile and have a good time, and it's delightful. mm
1: mm-hmm. I think Oprah's great in this. She is really, really good in this. Um, I, I definitely... I, I, I like her in this a lot. I think... You know, when people think of Oprah, you don't think of actress. You think of mogul Oprah. right? Like, you think of talk show host yeah. Oprah. Um, I And Oprah is a really, really good actress. I wish she would do more. Yeah, I think if... I think she would have had it not been for her
2: show. Yeah, and I don't fault her at all because her show became such a phenomenon, yes. and it made her what she is today. Mm-hmm. But I think if she would have stuck with the acting, she very easily could have been a huge
1: actress. Yes, I agree. Um, I think my only complaint about this though is that we never really—I mean, there's that moment where Sophia is at the dinner table and she's telling Whoopi Goldberg's character, "Don't, don't do it. Don't do, it, don't." Go what I've gone through, mm-hmm. don't switch places. And it's really the only time we see any type of like humility from Sophia. So I she's just very angry throughout this entire thing. And she kind of has like every right to Oh, maybe the pants scene when they're mm-hmm. in the out when they're doing the, the 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 pants one size fits all near the end. But I think my so to go to my biggest complaint, I think it's just we see such a we see such a one dimensional character here where I feel like I don't know. Maybe it was just the direction, because it's not Oprah faulting and acting at all. But I'm just—I don't care about this character as much as I do every other Mm -hmm. character because she's just she's just there.
2: Does that make sense? I kind of see what you're saying, but I wouldn't call her one-dimensional. And I think the reason we it takes until toward the end of the movie for us to start seeing these other sides of her is because she has to be this force Mm -hmm. in the beginning. Like when she's with like Harpo, has to be afraid of her. Yeah. And if she had shown those sides of her earlier, it wouldn't work. You wouldn't understand why mm-hmm. he reveres her in the way that he does. And she's gone through some shit. And in a way, I think she's putting up some facades. She's erecting some walls around herself. Mm-hmm. And she has to stay strong and she has to keep up this image of being strong, even when she might not always feel like it. Mm-hmm.
1: But she's never going to let anyone know that. Have you read the book? Yeah. So is Sophia portrayed in the book... I haven't. Is Sophia portrayed in the book the way Oprah portrays her in film?
2: I read it in high school so it's been a long time. And the book is interesting because it's told in letters. Really? The letters that Celie wrote to her sister and the mm-hmm. letters that her sister wrote back to her that she never received. Mm. That's how the story's told. It's told in letters and like journal entries. Okay. So it's not told in like the standard like first person, third person narration prose. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting structure i don't recall offhand exactly how miss sophia is described but um it's kind of limited to the things that celie tells her sister and the things her sister tries to write to her that of course mr doesn't allow Seely to have so um yeah i don't recall exactly
1: how she's described in the book okay i'd be interested like i would probably never read this book to be honest mm-hmm. with you um just because the movie Hold such a special place in my heart i prefer the movie actually this is one
2: of those in- instances i don't the like book, carrie yeah like the book is really good and i think it is worth reading but for some reason i'm just a little bit more fond of the movie than i am of the book
1: gotcha cool yeah um was, i mean i think we, out of all the best pictures too this year how this lost out of africa i would never understand yeah i don't get it that was just a terrible decision on the academy yeah and um okay moving up yeah here she is. Here is our girl. Um, Margaret Avery as Shug Avery. This is her sole nomination for The Color Purple. She had no precursors, mm-hmm. which blows my fucking mind. Yeah. Um, in The Color Purple, uh, Shug again played by Margaret, um, is starts off as a minxy character who is a singer who... Really uses the uh, Donald Glover character or da- Dan Danny Glover. Glover, sorry, Danny Glover character as kind of she just uses him to get what he what she needs out of him. Mm-hmm. Also makes fun of Seeley played by Whoopi Goldberg, but they end up blossoming into in the movie, which is is a friendship. In the book, is a lesbian yeah. love. They they form a a very
2: passionate bond and
1: yes and which to this day Steven Spielberg still says he wished that he would have put that in the film. mm -hmm. Um, That's a a lot of queer people have a problem with that being omitted. Yeah. Um, So yeah, so she plays she plays the singer who ends up being the fucking savior to Seeley and Seeley's angel on her shoulder. And Brandon, tell us all about Margaret Avery. Margaret Avery is radiant. She's a goddess.
2: This is a wonderful role. She kills it. I can't believe she had no other precursors. From what I understand, she basically had to campaign herself. Yeah. Because the studio wasn't going
1: with her. And her campaign is infamous for the wrong reasons, too.
2: Yeah, I heard she, like, did interviews in character and really rubbed some interviewers the wrong way. And uh, she became a little infamous, and people were kind of turned off by it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that alone is very fascinating. But, yeah, Mar- um, Suge Avery is wonderful. Um It's where my mom's nickname comes from, from my stepfather. This is my mom's favorite movie, by the way. Okay. And my stepfather calls her Suge because of this movie and because of Suge Avery. So, um, yeah, I think Margaret Avery's perfection in this role. I can't understand how she had no other precursors and how she didn't win this.
1: It it reminds me of Penelope Mulford in the fact that there were no precursors for such a brilliant performance. Mm -hmm. Um, So I pulled up... The actual ad. Okay. That, I don't know if you've ever seen this. I've never seen the ad, but
2: she took these out herself, She took these
1: out herself, and the reason that people have such an issue with it, or had, especially, I guess it was a huge turnoff to voters, was because she, there are moments in the movie where Shug is a little stereotypical black, southern, ignorant in her speaking that we Mm. saw in a lot of early films. Sure. Um... There are moments where she says things, but as a whole she's a very well-spoken character. So, I'm going to read you really quick this campaign that she took out there. You can Google this, you just Google Margaret Avery Oscar campaign. You can look it up. There's a, a image of her from the film and it says, "Dear God, my name is Margaret Avery. I know that I see. I, I automatically go on the accent. I'm so sorry. Well, that's the way it's written. Well, that's, so this is the right way it's written. I know that I've been blessed by Alice Walker, Steven Spielberg, and Quincy Jones, who gave me the part of Suge Avery in The Color Purple. Now I is up for one of the nominations, for best supporting actress amongst with some fine talented ladies, and I is proud to be in the company of. Well, God, I guess it. The time has come, fo the Academy. Voters to decide whether I is one of the best supporting actresses this year or not. Either way, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity, your little daughter, Margaret Avery.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That, I guess, rubbed people the wrong way. Yeah. Um, which I can see. Sure. But it is one of those moments where I'm just like, it is not about the politics. It's about the performance. She's, she's making her ad about the character, who she
2: became. She wants... But the character doesn't speak like that. Right, but... Sh- She's going for, like, a feeling.
1: Yeah. Which I can see. Yeah. But it's because of that, too. Margaret Avery doesn't act much. Like, she she made a recent resurface in the last couple of years with being Mary Jane on BET. But, like, that campaign, like, blacklisted her in a way for a while. Mm-hmm. Because she didn't get any offers. She didn't work for, until, like, 1989 again. Like, and then it was just, like, bit parts on TV. Yeah. So... It's one of those, like, it's kind of like the Monique thing. Like, again, Monique didn't campaign, and then it, it like, black it blacklisted her, and then, like, because she didn't follow the quote-unquote rules. Margaret Avery kind of was the first Monique here, only she didn't win. Right, except she was actively campaigning. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it just sucks because she's so good here. So you and I, I forget, I think it might have been Andrew Cardin.
2: Well, I think it was... I think Kevin Jacobson was doing his 1985 episode and asking for questions and Cardin commented and we jumped on yes, Cardin's comment. that is correct. I think that's
1: how it happened. Yes, that is actually correct. Um, so I had, I remember tweeting first something about Margaret Avery mm-hmm. and then you had responded. Yeah, sounds right. And you and I just started like going back and forth about how amazing she is and what the fuck, how did she not win? And then I checked your Twitter profile and I was like, oh my God, he, he lives in Cleveland. Yeah. And... You know, I had, I I mentioned this before, I had been, I think, in our pilot, actually, that I wanted to do this podcast for a long time, and I needed to find someone who was just as passionate, Mm -hmm. lived in the area, and it was just like fate. Margaret Avery brought us together. Yeah. And I am so glad. Margaret Avery, Kevin Jacobson, and Andrew Carden all brought us together. Yes, yes. And then, yeah, what was it, like two weeks later, we met at the coffee shop.
2: Yeah, it was like less than a month later, we met in person, started talking things out, and then... couple months after that is when we recorded our first episode. Because I think
1: it was in November. I think we met in November and we recorded our first one in like January. January. Yeah. It was like the week after New Year. Yeah. So here we are today. Thank yeah. you. Thank you, Shug. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she's fucking fantastic.
2: Yeah, she truly is the savior of this movie. Like, I still get like emotional when she helps Seeley find the letters. Yes. And Celie sees how um,
1: lied to she's been. When Shug realizes as she's painting her nails, that Celie is going to kill uh, Danny Glover's character, mm-hmm. and runs and stops it. Yeah. And there's so much, like... There's so much emotion because she knows that he deserves it. Because at this point, she knows Mr. very well, and
2: she knows Celie very yes. well. Because she's the object of Mr.'s affection, yeah. and Celie has kind of developed an adoration to her as well Mm -hmm. but in a very different way and they become friends and lovers I guess you could say although the movie doesn't
1: really go into that too much so there's also something that I I noticed in my last viewing a couple weeks ago of revisiting this and that is screen time of Margaret Avery oh really okay I was watching it and honestly could have thought she could have been put in lead oh really because of the fact that she is really... Well, number one, she's in it a lot more than Oprah. That's probably true. Suge is a bigger role than, than Sophia. But the other thing, too, is that there's a good chunk of this movie where it's just Seeley and Shug. There's Yeah, there's like a whole act. So my question to you is, do you think she's in the right category? I do. It's not her story. But screen time. That's you. I know. I don't think this... Is, this isn't Suge's story. But then I like... Did as much homework as I could find. Mm-hmm. Um, her screen time, and she falls in my supporting roles. Shug does. Shug, yeah. So, she's in the right category. Yeah. But I, w- I was like, oh my god, is she? Could she be considered a lead? Like, am I gonna have to put her in last now? because I'm like, oh fuck. Nope, she's good. Yeah, she yeah. Good. I think I don't think she's in quite enough
2: of the movie to really make me think that she's a lead. And also, it's it's simply Seely's story. Agreed.
1: Moving on? Yeah. I don't want to move on from right. one but we have well, to. Well, we'll
2: circle back with rankings. So. Of course.
1: So, this year's winner, Angelica Houston, uh, as Mayrose Pritzy in Pritzi's Honor. This is her first of three nominations. She would follow this up with Enemies, A Love Story in 1989, and The Grifters in 1990, which ended up being her only lead Oscar nomination. Mm-hmm. Going into this, uh, it was kind of, a, kind of a mixed bag. She had a Golden Globe and a BAFTA nomination for Best Supporting. But then three wins from the National Board of Review, LA Films Critics, and New York Film Critics Association for supporting. Um, I actually just watched this the other day. I had to revisit it for this. Yeah. Um, in Pritzi's honor, Mayrose Pritzi is the black sheep of the family who ends up kind of controlling the whole story of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, she is branded a whore by her father and her family because she used to be engaged to Jack Nicholson's character but then ran off with another man, but then she re- he ran off with a woman, and then it was just like the, everyone's just running off with everybody. Um, and again, kind of ends up being like a little devil because she ends up getting Kathleen Turner's character killed in the long run. Mm-hmm. And it's her sweet, sweet revenge as Jack Nicholson calls her in the very last scene. Yeah. What do you think about this?
2: Um, so I hadn't seen this in a long time. And I, I like this era of Angelica Houston. Um, she's very manipulative and cunning in this role. And I kind of dig it. I kind of like these really evil broad roles. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm here for it. But I, didn't, I honestly didn't find it as compelling as I thought I would, mm-hmm. like I hardly remembered this movie going into it. So like, I like this. I I'm, I think I like this performance and character more in theory than I do in feeling. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure where you stand on that, but I think um, it seems like a sort of rehash of a lot of these s- sort of iconic femme fatale scorned wife characters from like old Hollywood. And of course, John Houston directed this, her father. And so that kind of makes sense in a way. Cause it's mm-hmm. kind of like a, th- a modern throwback to the movies he did mm-hmm. like 4
1: decades prior. But yeah, I like I like it more than I love it, I guess. I think and I mentioned this in a future episode that we've already recorded, so I don't I'm not going to say who, um you'll know right away. Mm-hmm. I think this is a nomination for the accent work mm-hmm. because her Brooklyn accent is perfect. Yeah. Especially for that time period. It's just it's such a good it's such a good dialect, but I don't understand how she won this because compared to ev- literally every other person in this category, she's got the least amount to do and she doesn't really do anything other than be like a seductress at a certain point.
2: I think it's a more, I think of all these nominees, I this is the one that makes me, it makes me feel the, la- the least. Mm-hmm. I think it's a very technically precise performance, like what you were saying with the accent work and... Her mannerisms and the way she looks at things and the way she kind of poses and uses her body and her face and her eyes and her voice. Mm -hmm. It's a very technical performance. And I think maybe that's something that people respected, but I kind of left the movie not really feeling
1: a whole lot. Yeah. I also didn't really like this movie. (laughs) Yeah, the movie's not good. The fact that it got a Best Picture nomination is... Yeah, that blows my mind. The only thing I liked about this movie, and I would give the Oscar to, was William Hickey, Mm. It for Best Supporting Actor. I think he's the best thing about this movie. I'm not connected to Jack. I'm not connected to Kathleen Turner. They won the Golden Globes. I was that. That's just mind-blowing to me, too. Um, but this just... Angelica Houston's other two performances are so good for their nominations. I don't know if you've ever seen The Grifters or Enemies of yeah, the Story. Yeah, I've seen Grifters, but not Enemies. Brilliant nominations. This yeah. one, though, and the fact that she won this, I don't... mm Academy did not get this one right. It feels like they were giving her a career win very early in her career. This was like her first big film. This yeah. was her first big role. Yeah. And it's funny that we're actually talking about Angelica Houston now because she's all up in the news because of her pro- uh, promoting John Wick three. Yes. Um, and in that scathing uh, anti Jackie Weaver palms uh-huh. <laughs> interview that she did, which I love that Jackie Weaver responded with like a "fuck you, bitch." Uh huh. Um, I guess the producers didn't even want her for this role. Oh, for, for the Pritzy role. Yeah, she only got paid like $30,000 for it, and they tried, her agent mm. at the time tried to get more money, and the producer was like, we don't even want her, so just take it or leave it. Even mm. though her dad was directing right. it. Right, did they have someone else in mind, you know? Did, she did didn't mention. Okay. She didn't mention. But um, this was also too John Houston. he was dying of emphysema at this time. Yeah, this is one of his last movies. Yeah, so, eh, uh, eh, Yeah, like it, don't love it. Meh. We'll talk more about lineup up in, in a little sure. bit. Sure, yeah. I think you know where I'm going with that. Probably, probably yeah. Up next, Amy Mm -hmm. Madigan as Sonny in Twice in a Lifetime. This is her sole nomination. Going into this, Amy just had a Golden Globe nomination uh, for supporting actress. In Twice in a Lifetime, um, Sonny is the daughter of Ellen Burstyn and Gene Hackman, who is taking the news of her father's infidelity with Anne margaret the hardest. Yeah. Um, She is the most angry about it. She is the most unforgiving about it. And... She is the most dramatic about it. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you think about Amy Madigan in Twice in a Lifetime? I want to explain more, but I have to explain more when I start talking about it. Sure. Because I think it will give it away my feelings.
2: Okay. Um, Not crazy about this movie or this performance. Mm -hmm. For me, Amy Madigan's character is... She's a hothead. She's a little firecracker. But after a while, I felt like her... The the development of her character kind of plateaued, and it kind of... Jeopardized her performance for me. Mm-hmm. After a while, I was like, I, I get it. I understand where you're coming from. Show me something else. And she never really does. And I think that's more so the fault of the movie. I think she's playing what the movie's telling her to. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. But the movie's just not very good. And it's not really giving her the facets that I really need to be drawn into this character. Mm-hmm. But she was the thing that I was left remembering when the movie was over because I honestly think this is really boring and kind mm-hmm. of flat. And then you have Amy Madigan there causing a ruckus throughout. So, of course, she's a thing I remember, but at the same time, I'm like, eh, whatever. Can you describe this ruckus? Well, she's, like, shouts no, and... No, that was... You, come on. What? Breakfast Club. Oh, I haven't seen that in years. <sighs> <sighs> Ellie Sheedy, come she, on. Who's also in Twice in a Lifetime.
1: Yep. Um, so, I agree, I agree with you to an extent... Um, I actually really like this performance, um, but I am at a certain point left with like, okay, we get that you're angry, show us something else. Mm -hmm. So I do agree that it plateaus. I think the movie is really bad. I just, this, the movie's very
2: 80s too. It seems like Gene Hackman and Ellen Burstyn needed some money. Yeah. Like, it's not really doing
1: them any favors either. Which is funny because this is really like an all-star cast.
2: It kind of is. And
1: Margaret. Ali Sheedy, who we just mentioned, is in it. Right. And then, of course, Amy Madigan, um... No, I, I definitely like it. I I think this is a really... Her and Oprah are who I consider the angry ladies of this lineup. Yeah. Um,
2: but I find Miss Sophia far more fascinating than... Agreed.
1: Yeah. Agreed. Um, but yeah, there is a certain point where it's just like, okay, Amy, we get it. You're mad. What else you got? Like that scene in the bar mm. when her kid is right there with her and she's just going off. I'm like, okay, I see the nomination. Um I honestly wonder though. We said this before. I don't know if I could place this in any other year where I could see her winning for this though.
2: You don't. You don't think there's another
1: year where she would be the winner? Uh. Uh-uh. I, always, I, get, think, I always think. I always think there would be a year where she'd be nominated for this. But mm-hmm. I literally, maybe 1980. Actually, I, now that I'm thinking of that lineup, I I don't it, see this being a winning performance ever. <laughs> well, 1980s has already come out by the time this yeah. has come out. So, yeah. I could honestly see Amy Madigan. Winning in 1980, if this had come out, over being the actual winner or be, being your winner, no, being the actual oh, winner. Okay. Um, we haven't gotten to the rankings yet, you don't know if she's my winner or not. No, of 80. Oh, 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 Eva Legalien, no, I'd still pick Eva Legalien, yeah, it, it, Resurrection. I love Resurrection, mm-hmm, so yeah. um, I mean, I did the double win there that year, but no, I uh, as an actual like winner-winner from the actual academy, I, yeah, I could have seen Amy Madigan now. That I sit corrected, um. Yeah, I think 1980 would have been the only year she could have taken that. I don't see it winning ever, <laughs> to be <laughs> honest. But you see the nomination. Yeah, sure. Okay. Moving on? Okay. All right. right. Finally, uh, we have Meg Tilly as Agnes in Agnes of God, or Sister Agnes as she's more known as. This was her, um Meg Tilly's sole nomination, and she was the first of the two Tilly sisters to get it. Um, Jennifer would get it nine years later for Bullets Over Broadway. And going into Oscar night, she kind of was the the... Front runner to win because she won the Golden Globe, and at this time the Globes were matching up more with the Oscars. Um, in Agnes of God, um, Agnes uh, plays a very un- under mentally developed woman mm-hmm. who is on is about to be on trial for the slaying or the slaying of a newborn baby. Who is her baby who she didn't know she was pregnant with and she is studying to be a nun in Quebec. Um, so the film really is about like her figuring out where the baby came from, how she didn't know, and really what is going on. Mm-hmm. And I've seen this before. And this I was my l- first time. love this uh-huh. and you just saw this for the first time. Yeah. Because you also have to be attractive to God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was, that killed me. Um, so what do you think about this? So this movie is wild. Yes.
2: I I vaguely knew what it was about going in, but I didn't really know details. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very interesting. And Meg Tilly's character is fascinating. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't know anything... I knew she was a young nun accused of murdering a baby. Mm -hmm. That's really all I knew. I didn't know all the underdevelopmental stuff, because in this movie, she plays, like, someone who doesn't... She's an adult woman who doesn't know what sex is, where babies come from. She doesn't know very basic human things mm-hmm. and like she's pregnant with this baby she thinks she's just getting fat and she's like having this breakdown because she's getting fat and she feels like she has to be attractive to god which is this thing that she tells the Anne bancroft character at a certain point and she, she had no idea she was pregnant and she gives birth basically on her own i think in her quarters mm-hmm. and uh allegedly strangles the baby with the umbilical cord and it's a crazy performance yeah like she has like stigmata at some point and it's nuts yeah i was like kind of living for it
1: yeah it was great going
2: into it knowing basically nothing like i knew the bare premise yeah
1: and i was like what the
2: hell is going on
1: tilly definitely um draws you in she Mm -hmm. is a force to be reckoned with in this movie Mm -hmm. um I you don't, don't realize it right away though yeah. she's real kind of mousy and timid Yes, and it's not
2: until the movie goes on you realize just how powerful Meg Tilly is in this movie
1: yes it's she's insanely good in this movie um, this is probably the best Meg Tilly we've ever gotten and she would
2: well she kind of retired for in a while 94 I think
1: now she's back in
2: something. I think I, she's in a movie or a TV show. She, she
1: she came back in 2012 with Bomb Girls, which was a World War two Canadian television well, show. I mean, something like Right Now. And then, yeah. she did Anti-Birth with Chloe Seven. Sevigny. Yes. Which was a... F- I don't know L- if you've was seen that. T- Natasha Leon. Leon. Yeah. It's a fucked up... Like, I still don't know to this day what that movie was about. uh uh-huh. um, And then, she played Brad Pitt's wife re- the most recent in War Machine on Netflix. I, I don't think I saw that. I only watched the Meg Tilly scenes because the movie was so boring. Okay. Um... But, yeah, so she's kind of making, like, a little comeback, and we can thank Jennifer Tilly for that one. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Um, do you think she's in the right category? Yeah. I think she's so. The, she's the titular role, but... So is Vanessa Redgrave and Julia. Yeah, but I actually made this statement recently on Twitter. I don't know if you saw it. Um, I don't know. Oh, God, who are we talking about? It, it was just the other day. Oh, if Ann Baxter... Because, I mean, the tweet if Ann Baxter should be in lead sure. of supporting. Yeah. And your friend, who's the author... Yeah, Nick White. ...said, well, it's obviously supporting. And I said, well, she's the titular role of the film, and by screen presence and screen time, she really is the lead, not a la Vanessa Redgrave in Julia. Mm-hmm. I also agree that Meg Tilly is in the right category here, but this is a, like, questionable... She's... Because you take her out, there's no story.
2: Yeah, but she's not driving the story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's kind of tricky. But it, the movie's, like, about... I like it revolves around her, mm-hmm. but she's not really the one driving the plot. Yeah. Like, she sets the plot in motion with the whole birth situation, mm-hmm. but she's not the one really um, condu- conducting this narrative. Okay. So I'm okay with her being in Supporting. I'm okay
1: with her being in Supporting just due to her screen time. I'm not okay with her being in Supporting due to Mm story-wise, but that's where you and I differ. Yeah. So, I dig it. I dig this one a lot. I really like
2: this nomination. Yeah, I do too. It's too bad she went on her little hiatus. Like, I I understand like, do what you gotta do. Yeah. But seeing this and then, you know, of course her role in Big Chill, it's interesting to see what she would have done had she, you know, stuck around. You know what she did? Mm -hmm. Colin Firth and had... A kid
1: or two.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that until you told me last night. Yep. Shall we move on? Okay. All right. Take it away. So, your nominees for lead actress in 1985 were. Her portrayal
0: of a mother superior trying desperately to maintain decorum in a troubled situation, and Bancroft in Agnes of God. As Celie, who survived her childhood and a bad marriage and finally finds freedom and herself, Whoopi Goldberg in The Color Purple. <laughs> As the strong-willed, legendary country singer Patsy Cline, Jessica Lange in Sweet Dreams. As an elderly woman... Determined to get back to her childhood home, Geraldine Page in A Trip to Bountiful*. As a passionate woman who braves a new world to create a new life for herself, Meryl Streep in Out of Africa.
2: Okay, so let's start with our winner for the year, Geraldine Page, nominated and winning for The Trip to Bountiful. This is her eighth of eight nominations, and she finally won on her final nomination. Previously up for Hondo in 53, Summer and Smoke in 61, Sweet Bird of Youth in 62, You're a Big Boy Now in 66, Pete and Tilly in 72, and Interiors in 78. Going into this, she wins the Boston Film Critics Award, and she is the first-ever winner of the Film Independent Spirit Award for Elite Actress. She's also nominated for the Golden Globe for Drama and at the New York Film Critics Circle, but does not win those. In Trip to Bountiful, Geraldine Page plays Mrs. Watts, an elderly woman struggling to return to her childhood home one last time as her days are sort of weaning. So thoughts on Geraldine Page in The Trip to Bountiful. Really quick, you missed the public garbage village. Oh, that's because I was reading from the Pope of Greenwich <laughs> Village
1: page. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. So I, instead of writing it again, I was like, I'm just going to flip back
2: one page. You're good, you're
1: good. Um, I mentioned this last week when we talked about the Pope of Greenwich Village, is that I feel like when Geraldine Page has smaller roles, I, I, I like her a lot better. I still think Pete and Tilly is her best nominated role. I think she's fantastic in that movie. I don't like jielding page in these bigger roles because i don't think she can carry these characters and this is a prime example of it i don't at at this point i i don't know why she won for this i'm not personally on a personal level i'm not attracted to this character in a way where i emotionally care about this character Mm -hmm. she's just a whiny bitch in this movie cicely tyson did great with this role yeah i've seen that version i think it's amazing um, because she makes you care about what's going on around her. Where this character's just like, I need to go to Bountiful. And it's like, bitch, shut the fuck up and go. Mm-hmm. I don't like this. I don't think Geraldine Page is a great actress when it comes to these big roles. mm mm-hmm.
2: I don't like the movie. I found the movie very boring, but I found, this is my first time watching it. Oh, okay. And I found myself more interested in her performance than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, I think this might be my first Geraldine Page-led movie I've ever seen. Really? In terms of her nominations, I haven't seen the the one she was nominated for in lead. Mm. But, um, oh, interiors, interiors, of course. Um, but, but that's like an ensemble. Yeah. But, um, but with Geraldine Page being, like, the lead, mm. this was, like, my first one, I think. And I was kind of fascinated by her, and I really did feel for her at times. Um it was kind of surprising to me even though I found the movie boring as hell yeah like I kept like checking the time <laughs> because I like needed it to be over yeah but Geraldine Page was really intricate in this movie with her performance and I I guess I can see the win because of the whole like narrative of 8 and 0 or 0 and 8 being a thing that I know we disagree with that but it's very much a thing and I hate that I know <laughs> I disagree with it too, but you know it's a thing. Uh. And I think she, I think she is good here. I'm very fascinated by her performance, but um, I was more,
1: I admire it more than I love it. If that makes sense. I have a hard time admiring it. Even yeah. I don't know. There's just I find I find the character reductive and so unlikable that it just for me it just doesn't work. I'm glad you like it. Yeah, I didn't find her unlikable at all I
2: I really was just kind of fascinated with her maybe it's because it was my first time watching I had seen the Cecily Tyson version a few years ago which back, is so good back when it was on TV because I think she had just done like the Broadway she play. won the Tony
1: I swear that if they had actually done that as a film film like for she would have won she would have won an Oscar for that
2: I think she definitely
1: would have been nominated I don't, yeah. I don't remember what year
2: that was but um, I think she definitely would have been in the conversation, oh. at the very least. I think it was 2015, by the way. So that would have been the something horse like in room year. Oh, okay, yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I, I did like this more than I expected. Yeah. But I don't, I can't say that I love it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Meh. Like RuPaul just famously
2: said, meh. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, next we had Anne Bancroft, nominated for Agnes of God. This is her fifth of five nominations. Oh. Previously up for The Miracle Worker, which she won for in 62, Pumpkin Eater in 64, The Graduate in 67, and Turning Point in in 77. And going into this, she just had the Golden Globe nomination for drama. And in Agnes of God, Anne Bancroft plays Mother Miriam Ruth, the head nun of the convent that Jane Fonda's Dr. Livingston is investigating following the discovery of a dead baby in a young nun's quarters. Mother Miriam Ruth is Dr. Livingston's greatest asset and also biggest obstacle throughout this investigation.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So thoughts on Anne Bancroft and Agnes of God?
1: I have two instant thoughts. Number one is that she doesn't belong in this category. I was wondering that. I keep going back and forth. She, I I love Anne Bancroft and my second thought is I really like her in this movie because she gives me everything from like good comedic timing to very She's really serious. funny
2: in her first scene.
1: Yeah. But she is this year's case of category fraud. Mm. And I hate to say that, but it's true. You could take her out of that and Livingston is still going on with Agnes. Like, that's where I'm at with that. Plus, her screen time compared to Fonda is way less. Mm -hmm. Um, Unfortunately, due to that, I mean, if you've listened to it now, you're going to know where I'm ranking her. And it's unfortunate because she's really good here.
2: She is really good. She's she's quite fierce yes. in a lot of these scenes with Jane Fonda. And J- I agree, Jane Fonda is really the one driving this story. She is the from lead. beginning to end. Yeah, she's she's really the character we follow throughout yeah. this investigation. The movie's about Agnes, but we're following mm. Doctor Livingston.
1: Yeah,
2: and uh, Mother Miriam is really just like her, the main witness, the main interviewee. It's where Dr. Livingston... She's where Dr. Livingston gets most of her information and a lot of her misinformation. Yes. And Anne Bancroft is very tricky in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I find that super fascinating. Anne Bancroft like has this thing in like almost everything that I've seen her in where like you never quite know what's going through her head. And I love that. Yeah. And this is a really great performance with... Uh, but I'm with you. I was thinking throughout the entire movie... Because she really rides the line. Mm. She, I think... I think she might be category fraud. I'm it's I was thinking it throughout the movie, but yeah. Jane Fonda is definitely the primary lead who we follow. She's the one who's really driving the story. Yeah. So she's definitely at least secondary to Jane Fonda. But yeah, I'm on the fence about it. I honestly think I would put
1: Meg Tilly above her as being secondary. There's mm. just And it's again, it's so unfortunate because you have like the scene at the end where the stigmata starts to happen and then Bancroft is like, oh no! And it's just, like, yeah. all over the place and very dramatic. And then you have the scene where they're smoke, sharing a cigarette, and they're, like, going over all the scenes and what they, what type of tobacco product they yeah. would use. And she's she gives me full range here. Yeah. And she's so good, but I can't... I mean, I've already given Anne Bancroft the Oscar last season for Turning Point, yeah. so I'm not that worried. but right. like, And she I, has one in real life. And she, she has, has one in real life, and, you know, it's... It's unfortunate because she's so good here. Yeah, she really is. So I like her a lot, but unfortunately she's in the wrong category.
2: Yeah, yeah, she's kind of on the fence for me. So, And it might might jeopardize her ranking. (laughs) I'm not going to give it away. (laughs) So moving on, we have Whoopi Goldberg in The Color Purple. Mm -hmm. This is her first of two acting nominations. She wins the Golden Globe for Drama, the Image Award, and the National Board of Review. And she's nominated for the LA Film Critics Award, but she does not win that one. In The Color Purple, Whoopi Goldberg plays Celie, a woman who over the course of a few decades struggles to find her own identity and become her own independent woman while experiencing a whole lot of abuse. So thoughts on Whoopi Goldberg in The Color Purple?
1: I, well, we already know by now after this, like my love of The Color Purple. Right. Um, I think she is fucking brilliant. I think this is a really strong debut. Um... I am really upset that she didn't win this in real life because I think it's such a good, it's such a great character mm-hmm. to sink to sink your teeth into as not only be playing it but the character wa- or the viewer watching it yeah. um, because she makes Seeley. You have such pity for her, and then you root for her to win, and then you're like, cut that bitch's throat, Celie, and you're like, yes! Mm-hmm. And like Anne Bancroft in Agnes of God, where she takes you on a journey of funny and dr- and and drama, Celie does the same here, too. Yeah. And there's that point where you really just, you, you, you want to hug her, and you want to like... You, you, you want you want to be her best friend to make her feel better, and then she gets the house at the end. I mean, it, it's brilliant. Yeah. And it was cool because uh, last week in New York, I went to a taping of The View. Yeah, you did. So I saw Whoopi Goldberg live in person, and I so badly, so badly wanted to just go up to her and be like, you show is ugly. <laughs> like the famous uh-huh. Mar- Margaret Avery, but I don't know if that would have been appropriate. Yeah. I know she kind of maybe would... She, I didn't think she would have known that where that was from, but still, like I just like, oh, Whoopi, you're right there. Um, but no, I love this. What about you? I love this performance.
2: I'm also a huge fan of this movie. Um, it's my mom's favorite movie, like I said, so I've seen it a few times growing up. It's yeah. always playing on TV on like Thanksgiving for some random yes. reason. But um, Whoopi Goldberg in this movie has so many layers to her. Mm-hmm. And she shows you so many different facets of who Celie is, because even though she is sort of suppressed and beaten down throughout most of this movie Mm -hmm. she lets things out throughout the movie and you really see who she is as a fully fleshed fully rounded human being yeah and like as many times as i've seen this movie i still get this movie still makes me react makes me cry every time yeah so i know this isn't Whoopi goldberg but in the first part of the movie when the sisters are torn apart Mm -hmm. before Whoopi goldberg takes over the role um I I still feel things in that moment when they're being torn apart. Yeah, and like the scenes where she's uh, shaving Mister, I always forget whether or not she's gonna cut him. Yeah, like that's how how much tension Whoopi Goldberg is putting into that scene and how well directed that scene is. Mm -hmm. That I'm always whenever I watch it, I'm like, does she cut him? Does he bleed a little bit? My God, what happens?
1: Same, I forget every time.
2: Yeah, I I love the scene where she discovers the letters and like you feel the years of lies yeah. wash over her. And it gives her strength. Yeah. It gives she, her that go to, like,
1: get the fuck out of Dodge.
2: Because her sister, who was was taken from her years ago, at this point in the movie, she almost, I think, at times feels like the only person in the world. Yeah. Like, she's got sugar at this point, and she's got the kids and whatnot, and all the people who are sort of on the periphery of her family unit, mm-hmm. like Mr.'s kids with other women who she's become mother to. But I think at the same time, she still feels alone in the world. And she finds, Suge helps her find these letters, and she realizes she's not alone. Yeah. And, like, I feel, like, genuine feelings during that scene.
0: Yeah.
2: And, of course, the epic scene where she tells him off and she gets in the back of that car. I still feel shit. Does that thing with the
1: with the fingers with her two ju- fingers with the fingers that I'm pointing at you with now? Yeah, I think she's fucking brilliant. Yeah, I like her. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that she won the Golden Globe.
2: Yeah, at least the Golden Globes saw what she was doing. The National Board of Review.
1: Yeah, that was a year that the Globes didn't glow,
2: but actually, Globes did the right thing. The Globes knew what they were doing yes. that one year. That one time. No, I like her a lot. Mm-hmm. I do too. So, uh, next yeah. we have Jessica Lang in Sweet Dreams. This is her fourth of six nominations, having won for Tootsie in 82, while also being nominated for Francis in 82 as well, and then up for Country in 84. She does not get any wins going into this, but she's nominated at the National Society of Film Critics Awards. In Sweet Dreams, Jessica Lange plays Patsy Cline, the real-life country singer. Um, What did I... I lost my place here. The real-life country music star who lived a bit of a fast and furious life and whose life was cut short pretty soon and quite abruptly
1: spoiler alert for history (laughs) by the way she dies this real life person died um so i gave jessica lane the win last week for country yes which i still stand by but this is one of the three roles that meryl streep was turned down for the other one being king kong that jessica lane also the director of king kong said meryl streep was too ugly to play that part dino de Laurentiis. yeah I love that great Which, North like,
2: interview. That's ridiculous. Yeah.
1: Which is kind of like a blessing in disguise, though, because King Kong almost ruined Jessica Ling's career. Yeah. Even though she won the Golden Globe for it. But so this is the second time Lang took a role from Meryl because Meryl really wanted to play Patsy Klein, and the director's like, nope, um, Carol Reese. And I'm kind of happy because this movie's not very good. No, it's not. It's, it, 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 This was piggybacking off of the success of Coal Miner's Daughter. Right. And Beverly D'Angelo's Patsy Klein is so much more engaging than Jessica Lange here. I agree. Like, a hundred thousand percent more. If anyone in this movie got me, it was Anne Wedgworth, who played the mom, um, Hilda Hensley, mm-hmm. who I believe was actually... Oh, she had the New York Film Critics... Uh, or National Society for Best Supporting Actress nomination. Okay. Her character is really the only one that grabbed me. Lang, to me, just felt like she was rushing through this entire thing. There's yeah. not a moment that I can pinpoint in this film where I'm like,
2: Neh. I really hate saying this about Jessica Lang, but honestly, this role kind of feels like it's phoned in. Okay. In a way. Yeah. Like, Does that make sense? It, I yeah. don't know. I just, I wasn't feeling it,
1: which is really unusual for a Jessica Lang performance. I think Ed Harris is really miscast here, too. He just mm-hmm. doesn't seem to fit this movie. Yeah. I don't know. Um. I think I
2: did read that apparently um, Loretta Lynn was supposed to play a bigger part in the movie as a character, but mm-hmm. because of Coal Miner's Daughter, they didn't do that because they didn't want to be compared too much to Coal Miner's Daughter. It was inevitable, but they, that's one way they kind of tried to tone down the comparisons. I'm not sure how it would have worked. This end. is a
1: mere five years though after Coal Miner. I mean, I didn't like Coal Miner's Daughter. Like everyone I wasn't said. a huge fan. Like, of We it both either. agreed there, and we're both agreeing here. It feels, yeah. but if anything, this kind of feels like a lifetime sequel to Coal Miner's Daughter. I can see. Yeah, you know, I understand where you're coming from with that. And uh, Jessica Lang's a goddess. I've yeah, of that course. Before, but this, I, I, I still think the Tootsie nomination is probably her weakest nomination. But mm. this may be a close second. Yeah, this is like a like a connect the dots biopic. Yeah.
2: Like that. I just find very uninteresting as a movie and the performance is fine for what it is, Mm -hmm. but that's about where it ends for me.
1: Agreed. Yeah.
2: I really wasn't feeling it. It was just too bad because of course we love Jessica Lange. Right. And and we know what she can do. This movie is just not really giving her that opportunity. I think. Yeah. Now I knew, so I actually did not know how Patsy Cline died. Going into this. Oh, when, this doesn't
1: even do it right. When
2: I watched it for the first time... Oh, so it's not accurate? No. Okay. She, the plane crashed in a field. Oh.
1: Not like this big bloody mountain
2: so blow-up. I knew that she had died, and she had died somewhat young, but I didn't know how. I didn't know it was a plane crash. Yeah. And of course, I, I didn't know it was inaccurate because I didn't know what happened. Mm-hmm. But I actually was surprised with the way the movie does it, because it does it in this very cinematic way, and it happens very suddenly yeah where like they're in the little plane and they're going through the clouds and it's scary because the plane's like stalling and they're about to go down and then they save it and then they exit the clouds and there's the mountain yeah like they leave the clouds and immediately bam yeah and there's there's, like a second hope yeah because you know because you think they're going to crash in presumably this field and they save the plane and they're about to be safe and then mountain and like and they crash, and there's a big fireball, and I was like, holy shit, is that really how she died? Because it, can, it kind of comes out of nowhere. It's, yeah. very, it's very abrupt. It's almost like a jump scare in a way. Yeah. You don't get very many jump scares in biopics. No, not at all.
1: Not at all. Yeah, I, Beverly, Angel- Beverly D'Angelo did it better, and unfortunately she so. didn't get a nomination.
2: Which still so. blows my mind.
1: Yeah, now that I'm thinking about that too, the Amy Madigan thing, if Beverly D'Angelo had been nominated, I think Amy would have won there. But I think with the lineup that eighty had, Amy Madigan would have won. Maybe so. Yeah. Side note. So
2: our final lead actress of the year is Meryl Streep in Out of Africa. This is her sixth of two hundred nominations. <laughs> uh, previously nominated for the Deer Hunter in seventy eight, winning for the Kramer versus Kramer in seventy nine, then French Lieutenant's uh, Woman in eighty one, Sophie's Choice in eighty two, which she also won for, and Silkwood in eighty three. So she's already got two wins under her belt going into Out of Africa. And going into Oscar night, she wins the Kansas City Film Critics and the Los Angeles Film Critics. And she's nominated at the Golden Globes for drama and the New York Film Critics Circle. And she will be nominated at the BAFTAs two years from now because of how the whole distribution thing works. So in Out of Africa, Meryl Streep plays Karen Blixen. I think I'm saying that right. A Danish baroness who relocates to Kenya to start a plantation then begins a love affair with a local big game hunter played by Robert Redford. So thoughts on Meryl Streep in *Out of Africa*? I
1: hope the chirps that are happening outside Dude, of our studio those. are actually on the
2: mic, because that's exactly how I feel.
1: Uh, I just I'm I just want to skip over this one because I hate *Out of Africa* so much.
2: So I'm really. Mad that I had to watch Out of Africa again for this? I one? did too. Because I hadn't seen it since like high school when I was like consuming massive amounts of movies.
1: I saw it on Blu ray when I worked at Blockbuster when I was 10. Oh, wow. Or when I was 18 back in 2010. So, yeah. At, so, 10 years ago. So, so, 10 years ago, and I, I hated this movie. I find this much. movie boring as hell,
2: and I find her performance very bland. Like, it honestly really does nothing for me. I
1: love Meryl Streep, but this nomination makes me so sick of talking about Meryl Streep, and we still have, like, 20 nominations to go through. And I don't want to feel that way, but I'm just like, this movie is like French Lieutenant's Woman for me, mm-hmm. where and even Sophie's Choice, where it just... <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, this movie feels like it's really going for that David Lean style of cinema. Yeah, Like, it feels like it's trying to recreate that, which... he. Davy Lane had just been at the Oscars the year before with Passage to India. Yeah. And so it's not like it was a rehash of right. something from the bygone days. Yeah. But, like, I feel like that's what Sidney Pollack was going for, this sort of a broad, epic love story yeah. set in this exotic locale, I guess. But to know like, that Sydney Pollack
1: did this after Tootsie, too. Right. What the fuck? What a 180. Right. You know, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about when Jim, the guy who we uh, were in his studio to do this, when he had me on Whiskey Congress to talk about the Oscars, we did a quick bonus episode to talk about, like, the Kevin Hart thing. He had asked me what I thought the worst Best Picture winner was. And Mm. I immediately said Driving Miss Daisy because I I hate that movie so much. But now that I had to rewatch Out of Africa... And now I have to talk about it. I want to correct it right here, right now, saying Out of Africa is probably the worst best picture I've ever seen. Yeah. It's it's one of those
2: movies that, like, despite how, like, well-crafted it is or whatever you want to call it, it's still boring as hell. And, like, sure, it's pretty to look at. Yeah. Sure, the costumes are nice. But I'm never going to sit through this movie again. I never want to watch it again. This podcast episode is the only reason I watched it again. Yeah, and like, unfortunately, like I think it, the movie's not great. It's not a very enjoyable experience, and I think that hurts Meryl Streep. Yeah. Not that the movie's giving her that yeah, like, much to really work with. the yeah. Have we ever talked
1: about Meryl Streep' performance yet? Or are we just but beating but up this movie?
2: But like, the movie gives her like three hours of stuff to do does it well it gives her what i mean is it gives her a lot of presence Uh but i'm not sure how many opportunities it's really giving her is where i was going maybe where she's whipping the lion away like i guess there's these these mini moments like where she what are you talking about where she shoots the lion with robert redford when when the like when she's got the whip at the camp and the lion's coming through i'm thinking like when the lion's running at her and Mm. she's shooting it and
1: that was a weird I just I can't wait to get to like 2000s Meryl because those are when the really juicy roles I feel for Meryl come through outside of the deer hunter but like I just this isn't good the movie's not good the performance isn't good yeah really really not feeling anything about this no me gusta
2: no no me gusta not into it can we just move on? I'm yeah. Sorry. So well, I she respect. was our last one. So now we just have really the rankings. Yeah. I just I need to get out of. I need to
1: get out of Africa. <laughs> you need to get out of out of Africa. <laughs> I need to get out of out of Africa. All right. So to uh, say again, the best supporting actress lineup of 1985 were Amy Madigan, Angelica Houston, Oprah Winfrey, Margaret Avery, and Meg Tilly. My number five is actually going to Angelica Houston, the winner that year. Um, the the accent work is great, but compared to even compared to every other person in this, she's the least memorable in this lineup because she's got the least amount to do for me. Mm-hmm. Um, again, accent work accent work is brilliant in this, but there's just so many more interesting characters here that I just I can't mm-hmm. give her any higher yeah. than last place.
2: I'm giving my fifth place spot to Amy Madigan. Mm-hmm. Um, she's full of fire, uh, sound and fury, but signifying nothing. Yeah. Um, I find I get really bored with her character really quick. Yeah. And I keep wanting her to go somewhere else and she never really does. And I just think that movie's garbage. Yeah. So she gets my five.
1: Heard. Well I'm actually giving four to Oprah Winfrey. Um uh, again when I there are out of Angelica Houston and the rest, there are so many more better, like memorable people here. But Oprah, I mentioned for me, while really good, just comes off very one dimensional and that's about it. Like I can't, I I never go into the color purple looking forward to watching the character of Sophia. Mm -hmm. I think it's iconic. Sure. Mm -hmm. But it's not win worthy to me. Yeah. So. Well, speaking of not win worthy,
2: Angelica Houston is my number four. (laughs) Um, I I, get, I, I admire what she's doing on a technical level with you know her voice and her characterizations kind of harkens back to that old noir sort of feel which which makes sense given her father who directed this. but I don't feel anything yeah. when this movie's over like I, I guess I remember her because she won the Oscar for it, but that might be the only reason I really remember her from this movie. It's the backstory of the movie itself yeah but you know, she really doesn't make me feel anything and so she's gonna get my four
1: heard um my number three is actually going to amy madigan um i mentioned amy and oprah are the two angry ladies of this lineup um and i agree that amy madigan's shtick of being mad gets very old Mm -hmm. at a certain point but i just i like it It's like I'm punching myself because I like it so much. Because I'm like, okay, move on to something, but give me more. Yeah. And for that reason, Amy Madigan gets my third
2: spot. Yeah. I've been going back and forth on my two and three. But I'm just going to say that my three is going to go to Oprah for Color Purple. I think there's more to Miss Sophia than meets the eye. Mm -hmm. I don't think she's one note or one dimensional, whatever you want to call it. I think she's putting up fronts very purposefully Mm -hmm. and there's really more to her once you start breaking those down and there are moments in that movie where you do see that
1: Mm -hmm.
2: but um of course we got margaret avery left and meg tilly
1: for both of us yeah
2: and meg tilly was just tremendous i had never seen that movie before and i'm still like thinking about it so i um, i'm giving oprah the three
1: heard uh, yeah, like you just said, we have Tilly and Avery as our one and two, which honestly, if you've listened to this entire episode, should come to no surprise, mm-hmm. um, especially with, you know, how who brought us together. Mm-hmm. With that said, um, I'm invoking my second tie. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, wow. Um, second tie of the 80s. Second tie of the 80s. So it's the second time I've used both ties. I used it in 77 78. I used um, in 82 when I tied Leslie Ann Warren and Terry Garr. And Margaret Avery deserved to win this 100%. I've always been Team Avery, Avery but I've also always been Team Tilly. Mm. Um, Meg Tilly is sublime yeah. in this movie. She is the best thing about Agnes of God. And she won the Golden Globe, very rightfully so. And I, and I honestly wish she would have won the Oscar with Avery. Avery is just magnificent. She's my favorite thing about The Color Purple. And she's the thing I look forward to most when I go to watch The Color Purple. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think Meg Tilly and Margaret Avery definitely should have been a tie here. And I'm giving it to them. Okay.
2: I'm not going to invoke a tie. I'm going to give the runner-up t- spot to Meg Tilly and give Margaret Avery the Oscar, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, first time watching *Agnes of God, Meg Tilly is Amazing. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what I was going into besides the bare premise. Uh-huh. I didn't know really any details about her character. I didn't really know anything about her performance other than she had been the Golden Globe winner, sort of, I guess you could say maybe front runner for the Oscar. But she blew me away in yep. Agnes of God. And that final climactic scene with Jane Fonda and Bancroft and Meg Tilly is. Amazing! I know this is based on a play, and I really want to see the play. Yeah. I want to see that scene play out
1: in front of me. So according to what I've read about the play, it's literally two to three chairs and a cigarette holder mm-hmm. in yeah. the middle. And that's the whole set. Yeah. So.
2: I really want to mm-hmm. see it. I, ha- I yeah. have to see it on stage. I know, of course, it won't be with the same actresses, but uh, still. Yeah. But Margaret Avery is... A godsend in color purple. She's remarkable, amazing. Insert that Lady Gaga clip of her just spouting off adjectives that she's talking about Margaret Avery. No one realizes it, but Gaga's talking about Margaret Avery. <laughs> and she gets my win for the year. Like, I don't know what else to say.
1: Yeah. We agreed there.
2: Yeah. 100%. Um, all right. So, um, your leads, as a reminder, were Geraldine Page in Trip to Bountiful, Anne Bancroft in Agnes of God, Whoopi Goldberg in The Color Purple, Jessica Lange in Sweet Dreams, and Meryl Streep in Out of Africa. I'm going to go ahead and put Anne Bancroft in five. I'm not entirely convinced that it's category fraud, but it rides the line enough that I'm okay with giving her the fifth place slot. And she's already I already gave her one. She's already got one in real life.
1: So, there. Same. Um, I wish I didn't have to do this, but Anne Bancroft, due to category fraud, in my opinion, is number five.
2: Yeah. My number four is going to go to Meryl Street for Out of Africa. Find the movie super fucking boring, and Meryl didn't really make it any more interesting for me, which is really sad to say, but Meryl's getting my number four slot.
1: That's so funny, because Meryl has my number four well Oh, spot. wow. Um, literally, for the same exact reasons. If you have a shitty movie and you can make me care about it just because you're doing a really good job, then... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to patch her back for that. But this, like, she didn't help this cause at all.
2: Yeah. And, uh... She got a vacation out of it. Yeah. Go, Meryl. Go, Meryl. Uh, my number three spot is going to Jessica Lang for Sweet Dreams. Mm. It feels very paint-by-numbers for me. Yeah. And it feels like she did a biopic and she got a nomination. Yeah. And I really wasn't all that invested in the movie or the performance itself so Jessica Lange gets that number three spot for me I'm giving
1: three to Geraldine Page I'm giving three to Geraldine Page because at this point I'm just ranking kind of the worst Mm -hmm. in in my opinion and the movie's terrible she does for me she does what Meryl Streep also does which doesn't make me care about it um no yeah (laughs)
2: So, left, I have Geraldine Page, the winner for the year, and Whoopi Goldberg for The Color Purple. And it shouldn't really be any surprise that I'm giving Geraldine Page the runner-up and Whoopi Goldberg's getting my win. Yeah. Geraldine Page did surprise me. This was my first time watching Trip to Bountiful, and honestly, I think I had avoided this version of Trip to Bountiful for so long because I'm bitter that Whoopi Goldberg didn't win. Yeah. I honestly, like, thinking about it, I was like, why haven't I ever seen this movie? And I think it's because of Damn. that. She did surprise me, though. There, there is a lot to that character that I didn't that I was picking up on that I didn't really remember. Because mm-hmm. of course I have seen the Mar- um, Cicely Tyson version. Yeah. And I loved her in that. But going into this, um, I remember the basic story and about the whole like um, Mrs. Watts trying to get to her home. But I really did feel for her at times in a way that I wasn't expecting. Yeah. And I was surprised by that, going, knowing that I was going into it somewhat bitter. But Whoopi Goldberg, Gives my favorite performance in all of film in *The Color Purple*. I was gonna say that earlier. I was gonna open the show with like, remember when you said that Claudine? But I was like, no, I'm gonna save it.
1: Uh, an all of oh. film.
2: Yeah, Whoopi okay. Goldberg is my number one. In *The Color* in *The Color Purple* is my number one performance in film history. Oh. I love this performance. There is so much to Seely that you can that you can learn with every viewing. And she still makes me feel things. I have seen this movie so many fucking times Mm -hmm. because of my mother. And I still get emotional watching this movie. And I think it's because of Whoopi Goldberg. Of course, Steven Spielberg's doing his thing. He's great. We all know that. But Whoopi Goldberg is remarkable in this. And I can't
1: not give her the win because it's the greatest film performance of all time. I... No shocker here. Jessica Lang is my runner-up, and I'm also giving it to Whoopi Goldberg. Um because Whoopi is s- magical in the color purple. I I almost just want to like just leave it at that because you said it so perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm going to let you ride out both of our feelings yeah, okay. on that one on a high. Um I would like to point out though that Jessica Lang, even though I didn't like it, is the best of the worst I guess of Meryl Geraldine and I would have put Anne Bancroft in my, as my runner up had, had there been a more clearly defined w- yes. reason to put her in when I
2: first did my lineup, before I was really thinking about category placement just looking at performance yeah. Anne Bancroft was my runner up but I think she she's riding the line enough for me that I'm willing to say right now that sure maybe she should be in the other category yeah. and of course we've both already given her an Oscar so I don't feel bad
1: about it yeah but this should have been Whoopi's first. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, History-wise, had it gone my way, Diana Ross would have been the first black actress to win for Ladies and the Blues. For by, lead actress. Yes. Followed by Diane Carroll, which I don't think you had... I, think I did. You had, did you? Yes. I had, so we agreed there. That, that's the year that I came the closest to using a tie. Yeah. But I, I picked one. All right. All right. And then Whoopi would have been the third. Now, okay. I've used my tie in both decades... You used Twice. four ties. All in supporting. Oh, that's true. We're, we haven't recorded an episode yet where there is a lead where I was debating on using it in 82. Because 85 was always going to be a tie for me. Mm-hmm. But I had debated, debated putting Leslie Ann Warren as my runner-up with Terry Gar is the winner. But I just can't with that either. But there, there is a lead that we haven't done yet where I would have, which what we'll talk about eventually Soon. and I will tell you that this would have been a tie for me
2: but you don't have any more right I, I know I can't right but due to our so rules, now you have to make a decision so now I have to make a
1: decision which is uh, like now. Oh, now. Whoa. Whoa. this is where I think would have been the strongest supporting actress lineup ever or oh, are you recreating we're recreating okay. here because I've been waiting for this one there's a there
2: is an actress that I want nominated this year that doesn't I'm wondering if you have her too
1: we do Okay. So, had
2: know?
1: it's us. Okay. Had the academy done this the correct way. This is how our supporting actress lineup should have looked like. Meg Tilly in Agnes of God. Mhm. Eileen Brennan in Clue. Oh, sure. Margaret Avery in The Color Purple. Madeline Kahn in Clue. Mhm. And Leslie Ann Warren in Clue. Okay. I, is Madeline Kahn the one that should have been for you? The winner? No, the one where I just said we would. have... Oh won. yeah, I had a feeling you were going
2: Madeline. Huh? Yes. There's also another actress. It would mean taking out one of the clue ladies, but the the young lady who plays the young version of Celie in
1: The Color Purple. Desirée Jackson. She does not get enough credit. Which is funny because I was going to say out say this let. Uh, out of this lineup, I think I don't know who the fuck I would have chosen between Eileen, Meg, Margaret, Madeline, and Leslie. Yeah. However, if this says anything, I would have taken out Leslie and Warren to put Akusa. Uh, let me see if I'm saying this right. Akusa Busia, who played young Nettie.
2: Oh, okay, sure.
1: Because the the why
2: why like that. You're never going to keep us apart. Is that the line? Yes.
1: Yeah. I, every time I, and I just think I posted about it too, when we are watching Color Purple. Yeah. That, I cry every time because I'm like, don't go. Yeah. And, um, and for, for, sorry about that. For me, I over Deserita, I have more of an emotional connection with. Sure. But I do agree that Deserita Jackson and Akusia who played the young versions, don't get any credit. Yeah, they, they really should. But do you think you could choose between Eileen, Meg, Margaret, Madeline, and Leslie? Had that been a lineup?
2: There was a point. It's kind of funny. When I was younger, I was all Mrs. Peacock. Like, I loved her. But now that I'm older, I'm Mrs. White. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. I wonder if maybe I'll reach a point in my life where I become Leslie and Warren.
1: I honestly don't know if I could choose out of this. Between the Clue ladies? Between that lineup of Margaret, Madeline, Leslie, Meg, and Eileen. I think it still goes to Margaret for me. Doesn't? Yeah, I don't know. I, can I just five-way tie this? Five-way tie. That would be just, that would be some shit. Yeah. Could you imagine an Oscar ceremony where there would be a five-way tie in the actors? Oh y'all wanted a twist. <laughs> <laughs> oh y'all wanted a twist. Boom! No, that was that would be a great lineup though. Yeah. I think that would have been the strongest this category's ever seen in my opinion. Yeah. But
2: if the if Clue hadn't been a thing that year, I very easily would have put. Um, Desrita, Is it Jack? What's her last name? Jackson. Jackson. Yeah. I very easily would have put her and the young Nettie in the place of um, Angelica Houston and Amy Madigan.
1: If we're looking at that lineup of the original lineup and... Which means my lineup would be four out of four out of five color purple. I Yeah. I think I would have... If we're. I think I honestly probably would have taken out Oprah and Angelica. I, w- I would have kept Amy just okay. because... I, I mean, clearly I like it a little bit more than you do, mm-hmm. but... Yeah, I just, Amy's a- Amy's angry does more for me than Oprah clear, due to my lineup there, so. Mm-hmm. Do we have anything else?
2: So, I forgot to mention it earlier because I think I got distracted. Do you remember in this most recent season of Drag Race when they did the, the Wakanda acting challenge and Nina West has a line where she says that Oprah was robbed, referring to this Oscar year? Oh, yeah. So I was at like a watch party for it and everyone's like, yeah, she was, Yas queen, and all that shit. And one of my friends who knows that like I'm a movie Oscar person looked at me and he was like, so do you agree? And I went, no. <laughs> and everyone like turned on me. And I was like, y'all don't remember who else was in yeah. that lineup.
1: Y'all just know Oprah because she's Oprah. Right. So. Oh, the gays. Mm-hmm. Once they focus on one target, there's like, no going back. Which yeah, is what so. we do here. So. Yeah, kind of. Kind of. Well... This was a fun episode. It's fine. I've been waiting since we started this to talk about 85 because of The Color Purple. Everything has been leading up to 1985. Yes. Yes. So um, see you next week. Yeah. All right, everybody. This has been Joey Gentile. And I'm Brandon Stanwyck. And we are your Academy Queens. An LGBT look into the Oscars per category per decade. And this was the class of 1985. I did it. Wow. Woo. Two claps for me. One take. Done. All right, guys. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.